Hi, I'm Abigail. And I'm Dabney. Welcome, Welcome to, to You vs. You, a space where we give permission to talk openly about things no one talks about. And everything we wish we would have known when we were younger that we know now. The only thing we know for sure is that we don't know it all. Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we've got one of my childhood friends in the studio with us. I've known Sierra Kuno since seventh grade, so that would be, shoot, I don't even know how many years that would be now. I guess we met if we were 12, then we're 28 now. I don't know, a long (laughs) ass time. But um, anyways, Sierra just recently moved back to Cheyenne um, and I'll let her kind of give her story and background and everything, but we thought um, it'd be good maybe to get her take on her career of choice and how that's impacting her life now and how your friendships change as you get older, how weird your 20s are, just kind of going all over the place. So with that, I'll give Sierra the mic and um, you kind of just tell us like, um, your background, like growing up in Cheyenne, how high school was for you, and then what made you want to go to Vegas for school and all of that. First and foremost, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. <laughs> um, first, starting up. So, born and raised in Cheyenne, went to Central, um, played sports throughout my career. Soccer and basketball is very prominent. Um, was definitely a partier in high school, and everyone always kind of knew me as the partier as oh Sarah's the life of the party I feel like growing up no one really knew what I was going to do after I graduated and I didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated so I went and did a few recruitments after high school at a few community college to play soccer none of them were like standing out to me so I ended up going to LCCC and playing soccer there And it really wasn't until I went to LCCC and started playing soccer that I became interested, I guess, in nutrition. I started to lift weights there and actually get into like how eating was affecting my sports performance. Um, And so after two years of playing soccer at LCCC, I decided I had one nutrition class there, actually. I remember really liking that nutrition class. And so after LCCC, I just knew I did not want to go to the University of Wyoming because the University of Wyoming was always deemed as like the party school. And I was kind of already over it. Like, I don't know. I feel like I went through that party stage early on and like when I was like 16 to 18. And then like once I had actually got out of high school, I was like, okay, I felt like a more mature. I do not want to go to the University of Wyoming. So My brother actually lived down in Las Vegas, and so I applied for the nutrition program out there. I'm kind of just like, let's apply and see if I can get in. I did look at going to like CSU, but it was so expensive during that time, Mm -hmm. and even like the housing was really expensive. So I thought, hey, maybe I can move in with my brother, and me and him had a really good relationship during that time. Um, So I applied. I got into the nutrition program. And literally within like two weeks, I packed up my car and drove to Vegas. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing at the time. Um, My mom came down with me and I remember it was so funny. Like we were getting like the parking passes at UNLV and all this fun stuff. And um, 
she was like let's just do one semester because she wasn't sure if i would stay there for like the full year or how it would ever work out or anything but we always joke about it because i ended up staying there for the full four years until i earned my bachelor's degree but kind of going into I could talk so much about Las Vegas. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Tell us all of it. <laughs> um, so I started the program when I first got to Vegas. I literally didn't have friends for the first like year and a half, two years when I moved okay. to Vegas. Yes. Okay, I'm going to interject real quick. So when we talk about Wyoming, and Dav, I don't know if you've experienced this too or any of your friends that have moved out of Wyoming. It's a mind fuck. And yes. I don't think enough people talk about it. We are so sheltered in Cheyenne, and then when you move out of Wyoming, I, when I finished my degree in Australia, I had, like, a really hard, I think I spent, I was there for six months, I think I spent, like, six months trying to figure out, like, where I was, and, like, people, and how do you, do you feel, like, in Davini, you two, I don't know if you've, like, had a friend or, ex like, explored outside of mm -hmm. Wyoming, um for a long period of time but what was it like when you first got there and then how long did it take you to feel like normal in vegas oh this is when i wish i did a podcast because i was feeling so weird during that time mm -hmm. that now it's been like seven years that it's hard to like go back to it i remember coming back to wyoming like during breaks like christmas break spring break whatever and it was kind of just a mindfuck how small Wyoming is. Like mm -hmm. driving back, how far a Denver's airport is from Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't, I know we have our own airport here, but um, every time I came in, I was like, dang, this place is so small and not very culturally diverse. Right. Like in Vegas, it is so culturally right. diverse. Um, there's just more restaurants, there's more things to do, but like people don't give a shit in Vegas, whereas here, everyone is very hospitality like like mm -hmm. you are driving on a dirt road you wave at right. the, the car coming past you kind of thing you know <laughs> yep. what i mean whereas in vegas what was weird to me is you don't even talk to your neighbors like you don't even wave at your neighbors you don't say hi to your neighbors like everyone's just kind of doing their own thing mm -hmm. and they don't really yeah. like give a shit about you but it was a mind fuck i guess going back and forth because there i didn't have friends for probably like a solid year I would just show up in classes and during that time it was like the prerequisite classes so it was big lecture halls i'm talking like 150 200 300 people mm -hmm. you just go in and take a seat like the odds of you sitting next to the same person each time was very slim um and so i remember my first friend god i love her to death eden and she was like she is a i don't know what you call her a transvestite <laughs> But she had the best personality and like she just got me out of my bubble. But um, it was hard, I think, because I had such a social support here. I had so many friends. I was an athlete, too. Mm -hmm. To be honest, as an athlete, like I don't even remember doing homework. Like I always just got it kind of handed to me or people would help me out because they had already done the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> they would, like help me because like athletes, I feel like did do good academically because they did it as a group or like they had resources. So when I went to um, UNLV, I didn't do good the first semester. I took a anatomy and physiology course and I actually ended up getting a D in it because it had the lab too. And it was a lot for me. And it was like the first time I'd actually had to um, like 
figure out my own studying habits. Like, how the hell do I do this? <laughs> yep. um, where was I going with this? Um, oh, so anyways, like, I think it was a lot of just, like, finding who I was at first in Vegas because I didn't have any friends, whereas here I had a ton of friends to going to, like, you have no friends. I was trying to figure out Vegas, like, I don't know, going to the grocery store by myself. If my tire was flat, my dad couldn't help me. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's go to this tire shop kind of by myself. And it was crazy because I didn't know anybody. Like, I had my brother, but when it came down to it, like, I was at UNLV is a huge campus, too. Like, it was just very culturally shifted mindfuck, to be yeah. honest. And then coming back here, I felt awkward. Like, I couldn't talk to people and have a conversation because I was stuck alone in my own thoughts for so long. Mm -hmm. And then I was just thinking, like, I don't know. There's, like, so much more to Wyoming, but we'll get down that later, though. Yeah. Like, now I love Wyoming. At first, I was like, where are we? We're in, like, the middle of the United (laughs) States in this, like, wind-cold, desolate place. But coming back to it, like Wyoming's actually really, really beautiful. But um, so those first few years when you were kind of struggling, did you ever have thoughts of like, I don't want to be here. Like, maybe I should go home. Did you ever think like that? I actually didn't. Like, I loved trying to figure it out on my own, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I loved that every day I would try something different and I would go experience something new and like, it was crazy back then in Vegas. I never felt unsafe either. Like I did everything kind of on my own. Um, but I enjoyed like, um, this is like a firm thing I believe in is like, I was uncomfortable in so many situations and I feel like it made me a better person. Like embrace the uncomfortableness. Right. Like, every time I was uncomfortable, like something good had come out of it. Um, there's this like vivid story I remember. It's so funny. I'm gonna start laughing thinking about it. I think I might have told you this before, Abby. <laughs> I took this rock climbing class because I made friends with this girl Natalia down there, and she's like, "Hey, um, in the nutrition program, there's only so many classes you could take per semester, but to keep my credits, because I did have this Louis program when I was going to UNLV, um, you have to take so many credits. So I took like just wonky, like PE classes, essentially." And so we did this rock climbing class, like an indoor huge rock climbing wall, right? Mm-hmm. I am a big person. Like everyone who rock climbs is like 5'2", <laughs> maybe 100 pounds kind of thing. Well, it's something called blaying. So they like strap you on <laughs> to this like rope and you're supposed to go up in the air. This one was called an auto belay. So like it wasn't a person holding you up. It was like this automatic thing that like blaze you down, like slowly pushes you down. So I climb up to the top of this wall, right? And I didn't even think I was afraid of heights. <laughs> oh my God, I look down and people are like ants below me. And I'm like, what? Everyone's like, just jump, just jump. I was so embarrassed, you guys. So I jump off like Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I came in my direct. <laughs> Like, I float out, everyone's ducking, I'm like a bowling ball running through this thing, come back, hit the wall, literally splat out like a pancake, dude. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. But I was, like, so uncomfortable with doing it. I said, I can't not come back 
because they would win. Like right. that, right. the rock climbing wall and my fear of heights like, right. would have won. <laughs> yes. And ever since that day, I was like, if you feel uncomfortable, like go do it. Because mm-hmm. I created such good friends in that class, actually. Mm-hmm. Like friends I'm still like friends mm-hmm. with now. Um, and I became very strong in that class. And like ever since that class, like it's been in my mindset. <laughs> Like, if you're uncomfortable, like, keep doing it because something good will, like, come out of it. Or, like, even if you do fail, like, something always always comes out of it. Right. Kind of thing. Always so, learn a lesson. It's crazy you asked, though, too. I never thought – I thought Vegas, I would live there the rest of my life. Like, when I started, I was like, I love it. It's the city life. I always thought I was more of a city person. Right. I like um, just more – I like Vegas because you could always do something at any hours of the day kind of thing. And I came back here and I was like, it's weird. Everything kind of closes. Um, But then the last, I would say like two or three years, I was like, dude, every time I came back to Wyoming, it's beautiful. I love it even more and Mm -hmm. more. And now here I am. Do you think like leaving made you appreciate it a little bit more too? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like now I come back and I'm like, the air is crisp. (laughs) The water is good. Uh, people are so friendly mm-hmm. and you can run into someone and like have a general co- like good conversation mm-hmm. where in Vegas it's more surrounded by like drinking and eating and like going out kind of thing right where, as here I'm like who wants to have a game night you know mm-hmm. so I really like that um about Wyoming in general um so do you feel so one thing that I feel like I really struggled with and I don't know how both of you guys feel about it too but, like, do you feel like your identity of who you were in your high school, like, crazy kuno, do you feel like that almost was, like, a death for you to be reborn now? Like, do you feel – because I think a lot of times who we were in high school translates to who we are as adults, but mm-hmm. no one really talks about that. Like, it's a lot of, like, well, childhood trauma, and then that's why I am the way now. But I think a lot of it stems from high school. Do you feel like when you, like – who you were in high school and I know you hang out with a lot of your high school friends here in Cheyenne and we're all like 10 years out of high school now do you feel like you kind of had like a rebirth or like you had to learn who you were again outside of who you were in high school and your identity that you built oh absolutely I still think people call me crazy kuno (laughs) because I had built an identity in high school and everyone I think always knew me as the partier because I was like I had (laughs) like I had um, I always wanted to be but I was athletic so I had a competitive mindset and I always was even competitive in partying I'd be like I'd outshine you in beer pong I'll outshine you in the biggest shot I'll outshine you in like even smoking weed But now it's funny because I'm like the complete opposite. Like, I don't think I am a huge partier anymore. Like, it just doesn't interest me. But I think that's what Vegas taught me is like, I had to go down there and I couldn't be a huge partier. Like, I can't get blackout drunk in a city I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't smoke weed with random strangers. Like, that's not a thing. And so, absolutely, I think going to Vegas, like, maybe that has helped me get reborn and I'm not the same crazy Kuno. And it's crazy because I think it helps me a lot. Uh, It was cool to see like I did excel and I became very academically successful. Everyone, I think growing up in high school thought I was gonna fail out Mm -hmm. or like I was gonna go to Vegas and 
just go to the clubs all the time and like mm-hmm. um maybe be a club owner or who knows what was going to happen mm-hmm. like i remember people always like talking down on me but mm-hmm. instead i became on like the dean's honor roll list i became what was called the student nutrition um academic club like i was the vice president of it and i graduated with like the dean honor rolls list and cum laude or whatever and i didn't even like know what those were growing up mm-hmm. um but because I feel like I went and exposed myself in an environment I had no idea and I figured it out on my own, like that's how I feel like most people, a lot of like, if you're feeling uncomfortable, it's like just put yourself in a different scenario in a situation yeah. where you have to like figure it out and still a touchy subject when I come back and everyone's like, Kuno, <laughs> let's get lit. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like kind of do that thing anymore. Um, yes. Uh, do you feel like that's because a lot of people in Cheyenne haven't gotten out of Cheyenne? Yeah. And um, they, I don't know. I feel like that's what happened to me. It was like I went and then I was like, oh shit, there's a whole life outside of my parents. My, like my whole ego, everything was shattered when I left the state. But I also wonder if people that stay here and like you just keep hanging out with the same people and it's safety and then you mm-hmm. never you never have to change. It almost feels like sometimes people that we grow up with are all stuck. Like it seems like they're stuck in high school almost. Right. You know? And I think they like to like, I don't know how to, not make fun, but I think sometimes like people that leave the state and then people that stay here are like, well, they're just like, they think they're too good for Cheyenne or something. But then it's almost like you almost have to get out to get a different perspective to realize almost that like Wyoming's too good for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of people still do the same things as they are doing in high school because about Wyoming, it's definitely a comfort thing. Like, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. change my high school career at all. Like, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I wouldn't have changed my childhood. Meeting Miss Abigail Rose (laughs) in middle school was probably the best years of my life. Like, the hardest I've laughed. During that time, I didn't really think about anything. It's weird growing up because during that time, I didn't think about it was like you lived every day to day. Right. I don't know. And then as you become an adult, it's a little bit different. But I come back and I still see people doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, great. It's probably like a comfort thing. But we do need to grow up a little bit. And I feel like moving to Vegas, I was in a very good household. Like, my parents were amazing. Like, I didn't struggle with anything in Wyoming. And then when I moved out, like, I struggled with a lot of things, which the living situation is like a whole story. But, um, and then when I come back, I had to grow. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. to, like, grow. You have to become an adult, essentially, whereas here, like, some people are literally just stuck in the same route doing the same thing, which, for better or worse, like, some people, right. that's great. And then some people, it's like, come on, like, you got to move up, step mm-hmm. up a little bit. Um, but I don't know. That's yeah. kind of how I feel. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay, so you're in Vegas, and then you get your undergraduate degree, oh, yeah. your bachelor's degree. I know. I know. And then do you have to go – did you go to graduate school and go kind of parlay after you went to undergraduate then you stayed in Vegas, and then how did you get your dietitian, diet, dietetics, dietitian? I don't even know the right verbiage. Yeah. Just explain after okay. undergrad. Yes, definitely. Um, so, sorry, 
Um, you get, I technically earned my bachelor's in nutrition science. So it's like a lot of science courses, you study nutrition, there's pathophysiology, metabolism, all these fun stuff. So anyways, after it is required actually by next year, 2024, you have to have a master's degree. Um, my program was very accelerated. It was like your senior year, you took all these hard courses shoved in one small period of time. But anyways, so by next year to become a registered dietitian, um, you actually have to obtain your master's degree. I don't actually have my master's degree. Everyone thinks I do. Because um, after I got my bachelor's degree, you have to do a nine-month unpaid internship. And I did it through UNLV, so they help you finding the sites and the um, preceptors, basically who's going to shadow you and undertake you. And so I was at what's called Henderson Hospital, a hospital down in Las Vegas. Um, it was a rough experience, but <laughs> I think the internship is necessary um, because a huge misconception as a registered dietitian when I went into it, I was like, I'm going to create meal plans and figure out what people are going to ask me meal plans, what right. to eat, what to eat. It's actually like the exact opposite. When you go in, at, especially UNLV's program or as a registered dietitian, it's more clinical based. So how would you help? an intubated, sedated patient who is who had a heart attack kind of thing. Like, what would be the nutrition for that? And it is true. You need to learn the basics of, like, critically ill patients, I think, mm -hmm. before actually getting into, like, the nutrition portion. Because kind of like the difference between, like, a health coach and a dietitian is a health coach could just get a certification. I think it's, like, six or eight months and they're figuring out the macronutrients, carbs, fats, protein, what are the vitamins, minerals, this is how I write a meal plan. Whereas registered dietitians, so I'm going all over the place, we do an internship program that's unpaid. We do a little bit of everything. We do mainly clinical based. So we're in the hospital and we do rounds um, and like ICU, PICU, NICU, all these different places. Um, we have to do a food service rotation. So we have to know in the kitchen, this person needs a soft pureed diet. We're accommodating that in the kitchen and making sure like the recipes are up to par. We're not overeating carbs from our diabetic patients, sodium content for our cardiac patients. Um, but anyways, after the internship, you also go into a community rotation, which is more outpatient. So you can do like um, stuff with, I did a rotation with AIDS, like a outpatient for AIDS clinic. And nutrition is very important for AIDS as well. Um, they have a compromised immune system. And so you, they have to like cook their foods very thoroughly or they can't really have like raw fruits and vegetables because they might be more likely to be like high in bacteria and stuff like I that. I had no idea. Different vitamins and minerals, their medication affects their nutrients a lot too. And then I did an outpatient on a private practice as well. I did a community rotation with like sports and stuff like that. But anyways, after the internship program, then you sit for an actual RD exam. And so to sit for that RD exam, you have to be your master's now. And that RD exam really tested me. Like it, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> that stupid RD exam. Abby's over here laughing. I thank God I had Abby during this time because like I don't know what life was trying to teach me during this time. So Sierra, you you have been clinically diagnosed with dyslexia. Yeah. I will say, which is like a quite an accolade. Right. You've been you did all this shit, and I will say, like <laughs> junior high, and like we all, I feel like knew Sierra had dyslexia. Like she <laughs> said, she got diagnosed with it, and we're like, okay, and you're blonde. Like we were. Yeah. <laughs> she like we all knew that you've had a hard time, like with 
like not like you couldn't read but like you never learned how to read but I think it was very well known that like you had a hard time learning the same as other students and then it wasn't until this exam which is crazy by the way that you had to get an actual diagnosis for being dyslexic right yes that's like when it hey so you went through all through college with that oh my god freaking college (laughs) like I could talk an hour on this like i'm passionate that people need to know about this shit because like it was so crazy i always studied so much harder and longer than everyone in college like i dead ass would wake up at 3 34 in the morning go to the library um before an exam try to learn it all go the night before whatever some people could take an hour past the exam i was always the last one in exam taking mm-hmm. but like an idiot everyone's out already drinking after the exam and I'm like the last one in there, like, you got five minutes left. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, or whatever. But anyways, yeah, I didn't get diagnosed until the stupid RD exam, essentially. And this RD exam is through what's called Pearson Learning. It's an online multiple choice. Should be easy, right? Mm-hmm. Should be so easy. I studied my ass off for this thing. I memorized the book, essentially. Like anyone, it was so frustrating because anyone who said, have you tried this? I said, I've already fucking done it like if you have given me advice I've probably already done it mm-hmm. um but I couldn't I failed the exam my first time by one point oh no and I remember being so devastated because all my other friends in the program had passed and let me remind you it was COVID had hit so I waited a year to take my exam um we were like all on lockdown mm-hmm. and stuff like that and like exam was weird you had to wear a mask you're in this weird cubicle like there was a lot of restrictions or whatever but i was devastated when i uh failed my first time so i'm gonna make this like short i take it probably like a third time each time i take it again and i did worse and i'm like wait what the fuck how did i do worse when i studied even harder right and i'm talking i would go to the library eight nine hours straight studying five six days a week literally um so i take it again i'm like what the hell this exam was written in a style my brain could not comprehend. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I knew the material, but a lot of questions were like, which of the true are following except? And I would be like, are they saying, am I picking the right one or am I picking the wrong one? <laughs> right. And I would sit there and I'd try to read. I'm like, I don't know what the question's asking. And so I did a course on trying to figure that out, whatever. I still couldn't figure it out. I was always stressed out on time. So because I'm always second guessing, what is this question? What is this question you're trying to ask? At the end, I think it's 100. It's kind of subjective. You go up to 115 questions, but depending on how much you get right versus wrong, you could potentially go up to 145 questions kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So like the second time I took it, I got to like 120. I was like, hell yeah, (laughs) I passed. Like I did it because it didn't ask me that many additional questions. No, I did so bad. I like failed um so anyways yeah yeah each time was like such an emotional roller coaster but anyways i think this was like my fourth exam i was like what the hell is this like people i would ask all my people who were studying and took the exam they're like sierra i don't even know that like how are you not passing this kind of thing and like i literally had this book memorized it's crazy because i think i may have went through that because now i literally have this book memorized and a lot of it i can like visualize now and like pick from it i use it in my like career a lot of times anyways but it was really hard because it was covid 
mm-hmm. to find this. I've never done this before, but trying to find a psychiatrist, psychologist, I still not quite sure one prescribes drugs, one doesn't. Um, and I was doing them all virtual and I was calling hundreds of people and all of them were focused on mental health. Right. Like they helped with suicide, mental health, past trauma. I'm like, no, my ass needs a diagnosis. So I was trying to get a diagnosis so I can get accommodations on this exam. Right. That's what was like the whole goal. Because I was like, what is going on? I need more time because mm-hmm. I'm frantic at the end of it every single time. So I'm like, maybe I just need more time, whatever. So it was really hard to find somebody. At one point, I had set up an appointment with some doctor here in Cheyenne, and they said, I really can't help you, but if you go to the University of Wyoming, they have uh, majors like mastering in psychology, and they um, do like these test diagnosis or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. So I hit them up. It's this huge process, whatever. I don't think anyone else had to do this to get diagnosed with dyslexia because anyone who probably took this exam was probably diagnosed with dyslexia. So the girl was very awkward, very, very awkward. But you go into the University of Wyoming in this classroom and you fill out like 15 pages of this questionnaire thing. Most of them are like suicide watch, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, I'm like literally need to know if I'm retarded. (laughs) What's wrong with me? Like I have always struggled, I guess. I can read. It's like my brain doesn't process it right though. Right. Like if it says the sky is blue, I'll put the blue is sky. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Like I've always flip-flop things in my head and like reading has always been challenging. Um but I think that's what be- made me become such a good dietitian is cuz I'm a visual learner and I can like break down really complex things into right. stupid terms for people mm-hmm. because I had to do that for myself kind of thing. Um but anyways, this test was ridiculous. I uh, it, I couldn't even tell you what was on that thing. It was so hard. Like you'd have triangles with different shapes and sizes and you had to try to make it into a square kind of thing. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> it was a four day thing. So I went back for four weeks. Wow. So I didn't take an exam for another month because it was a four week thing. Each time it was a new test. The tests were so hard. You were in this hot room. Let me remind you, in a mask with like a plastic like board in between me and this girl. Couldn't hear anything this girl was ever saying. These tests were <laughs> like, I don't even know if someone who didn't have dyslexia could pass these tests. <laughs> yeah. She would like make noises like yeet da boo. And then I was supposed <laughs> to do it backwards and know what word it said. I was like, I have no idea. It made me feel so stupid. I was like, oh dear God, like I'm definitely like dyslexic. But anyways, you go through all these testing, whatever. At the end of it, she gives you a printout basically saying, these were your scores in each section. And like reading and math tanked. Like I was not good at them. And mm-hmm. like I she's like, you definitely have like dyslexia. Even when like reading, I would flip flop everything. Yeah. It was just really bad. But my creative writing was really good. <laughs> She's like, you uh, scored abs- like three times above average on like creative writing and like creative content, actually. And I was like, huh. okay. And my memory was really good. Like mm-hmm. I did a lot of memory stuff. And so I had a really good memory on that. But anyways, lo and behold, I get this final document that says, holy shit, I have dyslexia and ADHD, basically. And so then I send it in to Pearson. They have to approve it, whatever. I get more time on this exam. 
I end up taking this stupid exam. It did the time maybe helped. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I took that exam seven times until I passed it. And like, I thought about giving up so many times, but now that I've passed it, it does not fucking matter. Mm -hmm. Like I am a registered dietitian now. No one's asking how many times I took that exam. Right. And now that I'm like in my career field, I feel like it has helped me though because of how long I had studied for a year and a half, taking that thing every fucking month, determined. <laughs> That's impressive. And like, <laughs> it was just embarrassing because like I didn't want to tell anyone, and they'd be like, "Good luck on your exam." And then after, I'd be like, "Oh, failed it." Each time was like one or two points. That right. was like the most frustrating thing. The last time I said, "I don't give a shit. I'm not even going to study." I went in that thing, passed it. It was crazy. It was the most stupid thing. Right. I couldn't even tell you that exam was like so stupid and it was just set up for one learning style. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I could complain about the dietetic field Yep, is like there's so many different learning styles. And I know some great dietitians who have taken it a few times and their people skills are much better than someone who's just book smart and can mm-hmm. pass that just like that kind of thing. So I always think it's so backwards to the way the school system is set up. It's like you go through four years, five years of college yeah. learning all this stuff, but it all is determined on this one test. Absolutely. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. <laughs> like I want to excel, become like a diabetes educator. You can get like certificates and stuff in that and like further it. But I'm like scared because it's all through Pearson oh, right. kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, gosh. But yeah, I feel like I'm a better dietitian than a lot of people I know. Right. But it's just that one learning mm-hmm. style that I have never really adapted to. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy, though, because I did go through all of college and like yeah. essentially knew I had that diagnosis and like nothing ever like you could do it. Anyone could do it. Right. I did it. You just have to like figure out your own learning style. I could never study with people. I was always like alone, segregated, mm-hmm. studying on my own. Yeah. Whereas everyone would come up and be like, Sure, do you know in microbiology, blastidium, clostridium, and the negative? I would be like, Shut up. Shut up. Like, no, I don't. So that was quite the process. And now, as a registered dietitian, I just got back from like a fancy conference. Um, and you have to do like continuous education units and you have to meet the requirements so much you have to get certified through in the state that you're practicing in as well as like stay certified through what's called the academy of nutrition dietetics so kind of like an ongoing career builder because nutrition is changing a lot too yeah um so you have to be up to date with like the new nutrition protocols as well because yeah and that's always changing yeah um okay so now you you got your rd Yes. And then you started working at a clinic down in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so I find this very fascinating because I think nutrition is something that we should all be, like, well-versed on and it should come naturally, but it doesn't to, like, anybody. What do you see a lot of that's concerning to you? Like, what do you get at? Like, I know you probably have stories all over the board. But what do you kind of, what are you seeing right now in our nutrition, like, industry maybe that is lacking, that's concerning to you? Absolutely. Everyone's just misinformed on nutrition. And there's always, I think social media is a huge part of it, a new fad thing. This will cure cancer. This will boost your immune system. This will help you lose weight. Eat this. This will do this for you drink this it will give you superpowers (laughs) and like 
one thing I've come to realize, there is not one food that is a superfood that's going to do any of that for you. Every food has a different nutrient or a different health benefit, I would say. Um, I used to teach for a company called Green Our Planet and teach little kids at elementary schools at CCSD school district uh, nutrition classes. And like a big portion of my job is teaching people how to read the nutrition label because everyone doesn't know there's a lot of healthy foods now that really aren't that healthy. There's a lot of foods that are junk foods. Can that you really give us an terrible. example? Like what would be something that you're like, you're getting played? Um, oh, I did this in college, actually. You know those Len and Jerry's co protein cookies? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was eating those all the time thinking like, oh, it tastes so good. It's like healthy. <laughs> the serving size for that thing was like a fourth of a cookie, you guys. And like the whole cookie had like 650 calories in it. Like that's. Yeah more than you should be eating at a meal um or i don't know if like you're a diabetic like juice is a huge concern i guess for everyone's like juice is bad juice is bad orange juice is great if it's COVID. it's high in vitamin c if you're trying to boost your immune system orange juice is great if i have anemic patient who's low in iron actually pairing vitamin c with iron helps increase the absorption so it just so is nutrition that... is individualized, 100% right. individualized is the biggest thing. I've seen thousands of clients and each one of them has a different problem. Nutrition is so individualized. Like maybe it's their sleep and they eat really well. I'm like, you get two hours of sleep each night. Your serotonin is fucked. Mm, like you need to yeah. focus on that. And that's not my specialty, but I could like touch base, maybe go see a sleep apnea or something. Maybe it's like your stress level. I had a lot of people come in who did eat fairly healthy and a huge huge thing i think now is people just aren't eating enough people are scared to eat mm. people don't eat people have one meal a day intermittent fasting has been huge i don't believe in diets like all of them are just calorie restrictive we call it yo-yo dieting you usually follow this diet for so long you lose weight but eventually you have to come off of it because you're starving or it's unsustainable but then you gain all the weight back again, but then you have to come back on a diet. And so mm -hmm. we just call it like the yo-yo effect essentially. And a lot of diets are just very restrictive in calories. And I have a lot of women now, especially with like PCOS and stuff yeah, like that, that come in and people just aren't eating enough because they're like essentially scared on what to eat. And so a lot of times I'd be educating them like, you should be having like consistent meal times and this is why, mm -hmm. and this is how it balances your hormones and a lot of that stuff too. Um, I forgot your original question. I have so much I can well, just, say on this. I, well, yeah, I know. And I just wondered, like, what are some, like, people think, like, oh, I am keto now. And, like, oh, yeah. like oh, yes. different Love fats that. and, like, stuff that I'm, like, um, I don't know. We'll get into some other stuff, too. But No, I have I just, a whole thing on keto. Yeah. I yeah. So kind of go on keto, keto or, like, <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. the one meal a day and the fasting. Yeah, a lot like of that, a lot of people. Some mm -hmm. people do. I know one person that's, like. I am a intermittent fasting, keto, carnivore, like they hit all, like, because I think they've heard of all of the fad things and they try to like, and oh, they've yeah. never lost I'm vegan weight. and I eat flaming hot Cheetos yeah, and Mountain Dew every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Keto, same thing. Um, I see there's a huge rise in high cholesterol in a lot of my clients now and keto's low carb so great uh, a lot of my job is looking at their labs and assessing their labs that's why it's individualized i can look at someone's labs and be like all right you're not eating that many carbs your a1c and fasting glucose is good but your fucking cholesterol is off the charts and you're overeating saturated fat or trans fat or just fat in general 
And a lot of those keto products are low carb. They might have eight carbs in them. I usually shoot for mm-hmm. like 45 grams of carbs, 65 grams carbs per meal. So I'm like, cool, it's low carb, but the saturated fats at 65% of your daily value. Like you're just affecting your cholesterol mm-hmm. and something like that. A lot of keto products on the market are very high in saturated fat or they use the fake sugars or it's right. really high in sodium. So then it causes them to have hypertension. So people will be like, oh, I'm following the keto, I'm following the keto, but then they're choosing bacon wrapped, um, stuffed jalapenos. I'm like, yeah, it has no carbs in it, but you're eating cream cheese and bacon. It's going to affect a different lab value essentially. And you're developing high cholesterol or heart disease over developing diabetes essentially. Right. So there's a lot of fads. I had a lot of people saying, I'm vegan and vegetarian and they just ate nothing but processed junk food. Or even in Vegas, there's a lot of restaurants that are vegan and vegetarian and they aren't any healthier than normal burger, essentially. There's, I think it's Beyond Meat, mm-hmm. actually has just as much saturated fat as like red beef. Like it really mm-hmm. just depends. Where impossible might be a little bit leaner, but like it's still nutritionally is the exact same as like 80, 90% like right. ground beef kind of thing. And okay. So, and something that I, and Davini and I have talked about this too, like on our maybe like pregnancy podcast or just like other conversations we've had about like our health in general with women. And a lot of women can't get pregnant now. And there's like a huge fertility kind of crisis. And I always wonder, I'm like, you're either eating too much or not enough. Like, what are you seeing in your practice with women, especially since we're all women here and what works and what doesn't work? Absolutely. Um, I, at my clinical practice had a wide variety of everyone I was seeing. I will say like pregnancy and infants are not my specialty. I have very limited knowledge on like, this is their nutrient needs essentially. But most women who came in who couldn't get pregnant, I think it's just lifestyle factors. It's also just Mm. not nutrition. It's what are their stress levels? What are their street levels? What medication are they taking? Um, What is their home environment? What is their work life? Are they working the night shift kind of thing? Like I had a lot of people who just had terrible work-life balance and work schedules in particular. A lot of them weren't eating too. One, intermittent fasting. I think a huge craze on eating less makes you feel like you're healthy, but your body needs nutrients. It needs vitamins, minerals. It needs carbs, fats, and protein. Like we have to eat every single day. That's why my job's always like, I'm always going to be around because I can always talk about it kind of thing. Um, I mean, like the biggest things, there's like folic acid is very important, Mm -hmm. like vitamin C, vitamin D, but most people just weren't eating enough to even reach those nutrients for their body and then expect to develop another human Mm -hmm. inside of them kind of thing. Um, So I think a big thing I saw was people just not eating enough or a lot of women nowadays have PCOS and that makes it harder too. And PCOS, we treat it kind of like carb control diet in particular because it does affect your insulin levels. And so I would focus on like, okay, like we have to focus on lower carb intake for you. And like, there are some supplements out there. I could, I'm not a huge supplement pusher whatsoever. I don't really believe in supplements actually that much. I think they're like, they could have an added benefit, but you should be eating everything kind of through your foods. Um, 
But I think a lot of times it would just be overall wellness of women not taking care of themselves or in their stressed out situation. It's not just food alone. It's your whole life. It's literally everything. Their physical activity. I'm like, if you say you're eating like that, which I never knew if they're like 100% honest or not. I'm like, I don't think like it looks pretty balanced. It looks very diverse. Um, A lot of times I had bodybuilders come in who would just eat asparagus, chicken and rice every single meal. I'm like, cool, you're getting vitamin K, your protein and some carbs, but like you're lacking biotin, vitamin D, vitamin Mm -hmm. E, because you're just eating the same meal every single day. So you need diversity. And that's Mm -hmm. where food comes in. Every food has a different nutrient. I'm drinking orange juice today because it's high in vitamin C. I'm trying to help this cold. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times people don't eat enough protein is huge. Like no one reaches their protein Mm -hmm. recommendation per day. And just in America, our foods are all processed. We have high amounts of saturated fat, sodium, added sugar, and just carb, carb heavy. Um, Most people don't cook meals anymore. Everyone goes out to eat. They lacks fiber in all of our foods. If anything, I'm like drink water. A lot of people don't just don't drink water either. I'm like step one, get eight hours of sleep, drink like half a gallon of water every day um what's my other huge one and then like working out is so like just not even working out i'm like you don't need to go to the gym just move your body Mm -hmm. is huge like just get out do a walk or like a huge thing in my job was i was sitting every single day and like it was it was so hard for me to sit there for eight hours because i wasn't practice like practicing what i was preaching which was really hard um you talk about protein not getting enough like how do you feel about supplementing with like protein shakes and protein powder yes love this how do you feel Um, about that i'm totally fine with it if all comes down to it doesn't matter if you eat a piece of chicken or a protein shake they all break down into amino acids Mm -hmm. doesn't matter i mean there is plant-based protein versus animal-based animal-based they're all bioly available so you have all your essential containing amino acids whereas plant-based you don't but i'm fine with it you're just if you have a busy schedule and you just want to drink your protein to reach your goal i'm fine by that there's mm-hmm. a huge myth on you're gonna bulk up if you drink protein shakes i'm like well that's if you're drinking like 200 300 grams a day which i would never recommend for like kidney function right. but yeah no i if i someone's like i am busy i don't eat i don't have a lunch break i'm like drink a protein shake that has 30 grams in it to help reach your like Mm -hmm. nutrition goal basically um it's easy it's easy just to drink something rather than cook a whole chicken breast in a microwave kind of thing um okay so now that you so you quit your job in vegas and now you're back in cheyenne yes and i know it's a huge need in cheyenne to have a registered dietitian what What's your game plan now? Um, so Is I that told something myself. you still want to pursue? Oh, yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. I think I've studied so long and hard, and I <laughs> feel like I like know too much now. I think in Vegas, it was very validating that I had seen so many clients and so many people wanted to come back to me that I know I'm good at it. I'm definitely good at it. I just got a little burnt out on the counseling mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um. So I'm still going to do it. I have so many things I want to do. I just don't know the avenue I want to go yet. I want to do a podcast, talk about different nutrition topics all the time. Maybe do TikToks. Let's wrap up this stupid thing about the semi-glutide and really spit okay. out the facts the on that. Have we, talk, Dav, have we talked about, do you know what it is, Davini? So have you heard of like Ozempic? okay um, i don't know rebellus is another name and okay yes can you while we have you i don't know what we got, we're good on time um the semaglutide yeah ozempic shit 
trust no hoes is my thing. <laughs> I'm like, I swear, dude, like every, what, what, Sierra, what is your guesstimate of the amount of women on semaglutide? Is it the, like, the, the weight loss, yeah. weight oh, loss okay. injection? Okay. Yes. Um, originally made for people who are diabetic to help lower their A1C. Um, but now it's like as a weight loss supplement, essentially, and you'll see it everywhere now. Um, I have so much I could say on this topic. It's crazy because in Vegas, it was usually prescribed for people with diabetes. And so I would say like, I don't know, like three out of every five people on it to help control their diabetes. But then it became like a weight loss fad kind of thing. Um, where do you want me to start? I don't. So, okay. So a lot of women that I've seen on it yes. are not obese. Oh, yeah. Or yes. diabetic. Yes, whatsoever. They're taking it as more of – and I think the the reason why I feel so, like, biased against it is because I work my ass off in the gym. Yes. I'm very dedicated to eating well, and, like, it's taken years and years and years of, like, refining and calibrating my diet and exercise. Absolutely. And everything. Um, Doesn't it make your eye twitch when you're like, how did this person just lose 30 yes. pounds when so I the, spent me six yes, months exactly. in the gym doing that? Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of, well, and for me too, I'm also like, what is that doing to your body? I'm all, part of me, I think is like, oh, I'm just like looking out for their health when part of me is really like, get the fuck out of here with your oh, yeah. shots. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, go, let's wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym with me. And like, you know, I don't know. I think I just get very like, touchy. On I want to see what you're, the work that you're putting in. It's, yeah. I don't believe in people just winning the lottery every day. And like, yeah, that's what you said. That's how you're successful. Like, don't Absolutely. BS me. So with the women that you're seeing, and it's mainly women that well, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You can take it too. What's your take on someone taking it as more of an aesthetic get ahead or something more of a supplement versus a necessity? Oh, yeah. Well, like first and foremost, throughout history, there's been a ton of weight loss supplements on the market before. They're great for a short period of time, and then they kind of fall off. The semaglutide's a little bit different. How it works is it affects your GLP-1, which is a receptor in your gut, which then uh, sends a signal to your vagus nerve in your brain. And that vagus nerve basically controls your hunger and your appetite. Hmm. And so people tend to lose weight because it slows down their digestion too. So you get fuller much quicker. So they don't eat, overeat. Um, side effects, I would hate the side effects of it. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. You're going to have that. Every person I saw had that for at least two, yeah, that's three what I've heard weeks. Too. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of doctors too will start you off on a small dose and then you're so, like progressively supposed to go up to like 2.0 for the Ozempic. That's when I see a really rapid weight loss. For some people on 0 0.5, I wouldn't see it. Um, where was I going with this? But I think a lot of like cosmetic now, they just start you at 2.0 or 2.0. And like off people think that throwing up and having nausea is why they're losing weight. I'm like, no, I would not recommend you keep taking that if you have nausea and vomiting and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's also just still new in the market. So you don't know like the actual long-term effects of it. I think it's cool uh, that it is one of the first weight loss drugs that does make you lose weight really, really fast because it does control your hunger appetite. But I would be using that for people who are like severely overweight, obese, considering bariatric surgery. You know what I mean? Like instead of going through this insane procedure, maybe we get to where they can actually walk and get up off the couch kind of thing. Right. The whole cosmetic thing, 
it's just a fad. And the thing is, once you come off of it, <laughs> your hunger cue, that Vegas narrative is going to be affected. And I feel like you're going to have uncontrollable hunger when you get off. So it kind of goes back to the whole yo-yo dieting thing of you're just going to gain that weight back because you're unable to control your hunger because you're going to want to eat right. any and everything under the sun. Because again, you've been restricting yourself for so long. Mm -hmm. So from a cosmetic standpoint, it's expensive. It's expensive too. Are you going to really pay, I think it's like 500 to a thousand dollars per month or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Are you going to pay that the rest of your life kind of thing? Right. Um, so I don't know. And I see a lot of people on it and it does, there's a touchy thing of like, overall, there is not a pill. I mean, actually this is like the first pill that like, you don't have to do anything and you will lose weight mm -hmm. essentially. Um, but it is frustrating because I know people who are on it because there's no way from like an actual metabolism pathophysiology standpoint, you can lose 30 pounds in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like you're either on Ozempic or like you'd have to be going to the gym doing two a days kind of thing. Like a healthy weight loss should only be like two pounds per week kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you're losing five to 10 pounds, like I usually can tell like, oh, they're taking something because they lost weight so quick. And I always love the conversation of like, this person looks so good. What are you eating? What are you exercising? Yeah, and they're like, right. well, not doing any of it. And I'm like, yeah. what? So for people who are actually like, it, it takes work. You're not going to lose weight in a short period of time. If you're just exercising and eating healthy, like it's a progressive consistency kind of thing. Right. Whereas with them, it is kind of just like, oh, let's just kind of do it. And I mean, it all comes down to pop culture too, of like, everyone just wants to be thin. Everyone thinks thin is healthy, but I have a lot of people who are underweight or thin and healthy and their labs are completely messed up. Like they aren't right. actually healthy on the inside right. whatsoever. They're anemic, their energy is low because they're just not eating enough. Like right. they literally aren't eating enough. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, the whole yeah. big thing it's is a, like- It's very interesting, mm -hmm. but- I. A lot of we'll people are on it and it's I think it's interesting too to know a lot of people are like open about it. Like, yeah. Oh just yeah. Voila. Like oh, yeah. lost a hundred pounds. Lost fifty pounds results yeah. before and after. And then everyone's like, Oh my god, that's great. What are yeah. you doing? Kind of I'm thing. just the type of person I wanna know like what injections you've got, what yeah. are you doing? I'm like a very open If you're but, getting it, just be open and honest yeah, exactly. about it kind of thing, you know. So anyways, I just wanted to hear your scientific take on it. And so I don't think I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I won't say too much about it because I know someone will listen that yeah. is on it. Yeah. And, I but... mean, like, oh, beastie is definitely a disease nowadays. And like, I would say 60%, yeah. maybe even more, 70% of America is obese. And so I'm sure in the future, there's going to be even more weight loss supplements that come out For of sure. like, here's a pill, take this. But side, side, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like our food system's fucked. Like the yeah. whole thing is just... It's an everlasting circle. Also, doctors prescribe medications. Something's wrong. They just prescribe you a medication. All a band -aid. And then, Yes. It's yeah. just, it's crazy. So, okay. So moving on then. So you're back in Cheyenne. Are you going to open up your own private practice in? Like, where could someone hire? Like, are you for hire? Like, what is your... <laughs> I know so. It's like, what could... I took off... <laughs> I was a little burnt out. So I took off this whole month and said, I wouldn't even touch a computer or figure out mm -hmm. what I'm doing quite yet. Um I think I could very easily open up my own private practice. I plan to, you have to get credential through the state. Like I said, mm -hmm. each state has different licensures of like what you have to do for it. Um, 
Right now, I think I'll probably just do it over video because I don't have to have a rented office space, mm -hmm. essentially. But it is better, obviously, person to person. Um, I also just have a lot of handouts and stuff, meal plans. If someone wants a meal plan, I could write that so easily. Um, mm -hmm. I have a lot of people already asking for it, but I want to make sure I have like a licensure through the state kind of for it too. And I mean, I'm still doing a little bit of private practice for the company I was working for virtually as well. Um, but my plan and goal is to sit down in the next month, figure out, probably get an LLC, figure mm -hmm. out kind of like what it's going to look like, the areas. I think an area, Shrine's a little bit different, but like Vegas, the area was very important. Oh, sure. You also, I do want to get credentialed through insurance companies because out of pocket, it is expensive. Right. It's about 150 bucks for like an initial visit. Usually it's probably what I charge for his insurance companies. Someone goes to their doctor, they have diabetes, don't know what to do. They could come see me and it's covered. Mm -hmm. um, getting credentialed through insurance companies is just a wormhole of right. like jumping through hoops. So I got to figure that out too. Right. But it's, it's just possible. a lot of back background work yeah. yeah that I just haven't wanted to do quite right. yet but I plan to yeah like, like two it. weeks yes. got it do you have a name of your business you have in mind yet I don't I don't but I know I want my last name in it yeah I, was I feel say. like the crazy kuno is gonna be like okay switch <laughs> it up kuno is like wellness health yeah. and nutrition what's going on here yeah <laughs> like again rebranded my name even though it was something back then, you right. know what I mean? Right. And take it full circle. I think it would be like really cool to see people in high school, like, what's up? Like, yeah. look where I'm at now. Let me help you. And my biggest thing is I love my job for helping. Like, I think I actually help a lot of people yeah. and outpatient, which is really cool. You're very good at that. Yes. Well, do you have any more questions, Dev? Yeah. No, I think we just, um, yeah. At the end, we always ask, like, what's one thing now that you wish you could have taught your younger self? Like, and oh. you can even tie it into your career or anything in general. Yeah, like, what's one thing you wish you would have known that you knew now? Oh my gosh, that's such a deep question. <laughs> what's one thing I wish I would have known? I guess just trust the process and what you're doing would be a huge thing of, like, it also does not matter. Like, if you mess up, keep trying and keep going and like pushing yourself mm -hmm. over and over until you succeed because you're going to have those hiccups of like, if we lost the state soccer game, I felt like the world ended. And it's like, no, you could always like regroup and move on or like keep going and like always. try and again, like trust the process of like believe in yourself. Huge thing is I didn't have self confidence then and now I do. And I think my self-confidence, like back then I always told myself I was ugly, I was mm -hmm. fat. Because I did grow up as like the fat kid. All of you guys were Me like too. so beautiful and skinny. No, I and was I was the like the kid. fat kid. And then I got into nutrition and then like everyone was like, oh, Sierra. And um, it doesn't matter. Like high school does like affect, I feel like, mm -hmm. your life. But like you could always turn if you just like believe in yourself and have the confidence is huge. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sierra, for thank coming on. Thank you guys on. so much for having me. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. See you guys.